0: Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country, and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can... Uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your coworkers, your neighbors, or whatnot, to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at because we want to be able to have pockets of New Life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our uh, services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m., at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our forever River location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser uh, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue our focus on spiritual warfare, and last week we talked about how Jesus gives us victory through his death, first of all, through his life, through his death and resurrection, but also, my friends, Jesus has equipped us with spiritual weapons to win this war. Like He didn't leave us empty-handed. He has loaded our clips, so to speak, for us to be able to fight this good fight and win. Can you say Amen. So for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna focus on spiritual weapons. What are these weapons that God has given us to fight this good fight? And I'm gonna read from two different places today to get us going. I'm gonna read first from 2 Corinthians 10, and then we're gonna go back to Ephesians, which has been our main uh, scripture for this, for this series. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, and if you don't have a Bible, we like big Bibles and we cannot lie. There's one, right? <laughs> behind me, and it's it's what the Bible says. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty, what's the word? Mighty weapons, not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. I'm going to read verse five too. It's not there, but it says this, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Now, can you jump to Ephesians chapter six? Should be up there as well, but Ephesians six says this, verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Remember, we're not fighting Karen um, in the office. There's a Karen in this house that is an amazing woman. So shout out to you, Karen, wherever you are. <laughs> She's awesome. So leave Karen alone. (laughs) But against evil rulers, flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on, can you tell your neighbor, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Yeah. Verse 14, stand your ground. Put on, put on the belt of truth. You might want to highlight that. Truth is, is a weapon. And the body armor of God's righteousness, that's another weapon. For shoes, ladies, there's even shoes. <laughs> you can't be fighting this fight on six-inch heels, you know. just. <laughs> you ever seen a woman try to... Okay, I'm going to leave you alone. I apologize. (laughs) For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. Faith is a weapon to stop these fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Can you say amen? Amen. We have spiritual weapons available to us to fight the good fight. What we just read was written by the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul is responsible for 85% of the New Testament books that we have. The apostle Paul was called by Jesus himself to take the good news to the rest of the world, the known world at the time. And the Apostle Paul would write letters to the places that he would plant his churches to equip them, to strengthen them, to encourage them in their journey. And this particular book is a city, it's a church in a city named Ephesus. And Paul is actually writing this particular book from a prison cell. Paul is arrested simply, my friends, for preaching the good news of Jesus. Did you know that even today, 21st century, 2020, there are nations in the world where it is illegal to preach the gospel. Did you know that? It's a true story. There are places where Christians like us, we have to meet in, in remote places, isolated places, underground places, because the government would not allow them to freely preach the good news. You're telling me there's not a spiritual warfare going on in our world as we speak. And we ought to thank God to live in a place where we still have the freedom to be able to do what we do. So Paul is behind bars, but I love Paul because Paul never allows his circumstances to determine his life. Paul is always looking for ways to motivate and inspire the believers. And so he writes this letter from a prison cell, and, he, and clearly he's in a warfare because he's in jail for preaching the good news. But he's also focused on always encouraging the believers to fight the good fight. And here, behind bars, in this jail cell, he says, listen, remember, we are in a... Warfare against evil powers and darkness. But here, Paul, always looking to illustrate what he's trying to get at, he says, look, but you have to be a soldier, right? You have to be a soldier. You have to see yourself as a soldier. And Paul is surrounded by soldiers in this cell, and he's trying to give them a picture of what this looks like, right? I want to give you a picture of what these soldiers, these Roman soldiers, would look like in that time and what Paul is saying to be like a soldier, right? This is a picture of a Roman soldier, right? Back in that first century, the Romans basically ruled the earth, right? It was their world. And, and here is Paul behind bars, surrounded by the soldier. And he says, listen, in the spirit, you got to be like a soldier. You have to have all the equipment so that you can go to war and win this war. And history tells us that Romans were some of the most skilled warriors of the time, because not just because of how well they fought, but because their armor was actually something that was very beneficial in war. Are you tracking so far? So Paul says, hey, let me give you a picture, right? The way the soldier looks is how you need to be in the spirit. In other words, see yourself the way God sees you and see yourself equipped with the things that God has blessed you with to be able to fight this good fight. So each and every part of the equipment is actually a weapon against the lies, and the deceits, and the temptations, and the trials, and the tribulations that the enemy will bring against you. This is why the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper, why? Because you are equipped to fight this good fight and to win what God has equipped you to win. So if you break down each one of these, this is what you end up with. Go ahead and go to my next slide. Basically, Paul is talking about seven spiritual weapons that's available to every believer. The first thing he says is truth is your weapon. God's righteousness is a weapon. Gospel of peace is a weapon. Faith is a weapon. Salvation, the Word, and prayer. Seven, not necessarily in, in any order, but Paul is saying this is what you have available to you to fight the good fight that you are in right now as we speak, can you say amen? Now, because there's seven of them, and I don't, in order to do justice to each one of these weapons, what I'm gonna do is, I am going to just focus on truth today, but then during the week, here's a shameful plug. During the week, for those of you guys who have our church app, if you don't have it, this is your chance to get our church app. I'm going to release a couple of video teachings during the week focusing on God's righteousness and God's, the gospel of peace. And then next Sunday, we'll follow with the rest of these weapons. Because, my friends, we need to be equipped to fight this good fight that God has for us. So... Today, we're gonna focus specifically on truth because I don't think it takes rocket science to realize that we are in a war against truth. It's interesting that Paul says that truth is the belt. Right? He he equates truth with the belt. He says, put on the belt of truth, right? Belt, my friends, in the natural, it's it's the thing that holds everything together. (laughs) Belt is what keeps you from being exposed. Eh I have these things that goes through my head. But belt is what separates boys from men. Just get a belt. <laughs> But my friends, the the, the truth is is that without truth, everything else falls apart. Without truth, everything else crumbles. So I think Paul, on purpose, is saying the first thing you got to put on is the belt. Because the belt is what's going to hold everything else. It's hard to to hold a a sword and a shield if you don't have a belt. You have to keep picking yourself up in a war, you're going to be in trouble. Right? And so Paul starts with the belt of truth for a reason because he knows that the enemy hates truth. The enemy hates truth. This is not me saying this. This is Jesus saying this. One time Jesus was talking to those religious people who just had a hard time with him and Jesus said these words about them and about the enemy. Watch this. Jesus said this about truth. He said, look, for you are the children of your father, the devil. It's amazing when people say, Jesus was like Mr. Rogers. He would never say things like that. Well, you haven't read the Bible. Like Jesus said, you are like your father to the devil and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning and he always hated the truth. The enemy hates the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. Whoa, shots fired. Jesus is not holding back here, For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Jesus is like, man, you're so seeped with the enemy that I'm telling you the truth, but you can't recognize the truth because you're so embedded in lies. My friends, we're not living in a day and age where we're so embedded in lies when someone tells the truth, we can't recognize it. This is the warfare we live in. We live in a warfare where the enemy from the beginning has been lying. He lied to Adam and Eve. And he's been lying to us ever since. So as usual, I always like to bring this down to a place of practicality so you can recognize where the warfare is and what's going on. Because I do believe he's using lies in your life right now as we speak. And to give you some clarity, some context, let me show you what I believe is the way that the enemy is working in our lives right now. The way that I believe is looking at it is this. These are the enemies of truth that are at work right now. Lies, accusations, gossip, division, condemnation, relativism. And I have to include fake news because that's the day and age we live in. I'm blown away by how many people share fake news without knowing it's fake. It's amazing to me how people are no longer using discernment, they're not checking credibility, they're just going with clickbaits. Not realizing, man, you are adding to the problem when you're sharing fake news. The enemy loves confusion and chaos, and he'll use whatever it takes to put us in a state of confusion and chaos. It is up to us to cut through that lie and see what's fake and what's real. Because the enemy could care less on which side you fall on as long as you are in a lie. My friends, he loves to use accusations. Remember, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He's always looking to accuse you. The enemy, listen, here's how clever the enemy is. The enemy will tempt you when you fall for the same temptation he tempted you with, he'll accuse you of it. That's what he does. He will, he will throw a bait away, you bite it, and he'll go, ooh. I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Accusations is the voice of the enemy. That's why I told you, in our marriage, we have to be careful that we're not fighting each other, but we're fighting for each other. There's a difference when you're fighting. And listen, there's no healthy relationships without some fights. Matter of fact, it's the, through the fights that you know how healthy your relationship is. But the goal of a fight, hopefully, is to make us better, is not to make us right. That's a good word, I'm telling you. If we're so consumed with being right, we are going to use whatever it takes to be right. And we start, we start co-signing with the enemy and using accusations against each other as opposed to building each other up. Are you tracking with me? The enemy loves to use gossip. Oh, we don't talk enough about this because in the, in the church communities, gossip comes in forms of prayer requests. Girl, you need to pray for. Her. But it's like, no, that's not, not a prayer request, that's a gossip. That's a gossip. Because if it was a prayer request, you would have just been praying. My friends, gossip is the lowest form of communication. I think anytime someone's gossiping, you're already, you are you already siding with the wrong side. I think, to be honest with you, I think gossip is so low that it's like, man, how are you even talking about other people? Don't you have a life? That's amazing to me. Like I've had people share things about me online and I'm like, I don't even know you. You're not even on my radar. How am I on yours? Don't you have something to do? Like a, like a hobby or something? They ever go to like functions and you, you, there's always that group of people? But it's like, aren't we supposed to be like fellowshipping and you're over here? Don't elbow anybody. But I believe gossip, the enemy loves it because he knows it brings chaos. It brings confusion. It, it divides people. It hurts people. We talk about everybody except with the person we actually need to talk to. The enemy loves division. You know the word division simply means two visions. Whenever there's a vision, the enemy wants to bring division to it. He's been doing it from the beginning. God had a vision for earth and heaven, and in heaven, the enemy starts to do this. Yeah, but I think we can overthrow this thing. I think we can, why don't we do it? Why don't we are in charge? And so the enemy began to do the vision from heaven, and now he brought it to earth. And if we're not discerning, we're buying right into his lies. Your company has a vision, but when you're doing something opposite of that company, you are contributing to the division of that company and you are not siding no longer with the blessings of God, you're siding with the enemy. Your church has a vision and when you're no longer aligning yourself with that vision, you begin to bring other visions into it and you're no longer sliding with the will of God, you're aligning with the enemy. Your marriage has a vision, and when two of you are not aligned with that vision, you are bringing division vision into it, and next thing you know, you begin to talk about things that the enemy would love to talk to you about, but the God never co-signed for you to be doing certain things that doesn't, y'all ain't gonna talk to me. Your team has a vision. You play for a team, there better be a vision, or if not, you're playing all kind. like I, I've been part of teams where everybody wanted to be the superstar, and we all lost. So the enemy loves division. And I believe he's using one of these things right now in your life, condemnation. The enemy loves to condemn. My friends, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Jesus comes to convict us, to heal us and restore us, to make us better. The enemy comes to condemn you, to judge you so you can stop trying, so you can call it quits. So you're like, I'm not gonna try anymore. My friends, discern the voices that comes over you. Here's a big one, relativism. Relativism basically boils down to this. I think I have my own truth. Truth is relative to me. If truth is relative to me, then guess what? There's about seven billion truths right now on the, on the earth because there's about seven billion people. So it's, it, it may sound convenient, but it's, it's actually destructive. Because if I start creating my truth, it's no longer a truth. Here's the thing. This is, we're not going to like this, but all of us are entitled to our opinions, but not all of us can make up our own truth. You see how, I got, how you got quiet in here? We're very opinionated people, but your opinions are not truth. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Listen, you may say, I don't believe in gravity. It's my truth. Well, I would love for you to tempt gravity and tell me what you think. There are some things that God has implemented on this earth as universal truths. It doesn't matter what I say, truth is truth. I don't get to decide truth. And I know we live in a in a buffet society where we're gonna pick and choose. I like this, but I don't like that. You know, it's amazing how people will skip things over the Bible that they don't like. Because it's not convenient. You know, Jonathan Edwards, I mean, not Jonathan Edwards, um, one of our forefathers, founding fathers, ripped a lot of pages of the Bible because he didn't believe in it. He didn't like it. Well, it doesn't mean it's not truth anymore because you ripped it. Just because I go, la, 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 I can't hear you, doesn't mean it's not truth. (laughs) My friends, truth cannot be relative because truth cannot be made up. How quiet we get. Amen. What do you mean? I'm entitled to my. Yeah. Your opinion. But not truth. Truth is universal. Can you say amen? In yes, fake news. I'm not going to get into that. I've told you. I have told you this many times. If you're serious about truth. Do your homework through all the networks. And you'll find it somewhere in the middle somewhere. But if all you're doing is feeding yourself one Vein, you're missing the truth. I guarantee you that your body has over 300 veins to pump life into you. Not one, over 300. I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't live on one vein, you just can't. So it's up to you, you have to discern because the enemy. Loves lies. So my goal is to put on truth. The Bible says put it on. Right. So how do you put on truth is what I'm really interested in this morning. I believe you put on truth by doing these four things. First of all, you have to study truth. Because how are you going to put on something that you haven't studied? But it's not enough to study truth. You must live truth. Because how many people know what they need to do, but they don't do it. It's not enough to live truth. Sometimes you have to speak truth. Why do we come in and start our days by worshiping? Because you have to speak God's will over your life because you come in here caked up with all kinds of stuff. So you have to speak truth. And then there are times where you have to defend truth. Are you tracking with me? So this is what I'm interested in this morning. How do we put on truth, like the Bible says? First of all, my friends, we have to understand this, that for us believers, truth is not a concept. Truth is a person. Can I prove it to you? Jesus says this about himself in John 14. He says, look, Jesus told him, I am the way, the what? The truth truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So for us, this is not a concept, it's a person. In other words, God was like, man, it's one thing for them to kind of try to find their way to me. How about I come down and embody what truth looks like? So if you have any questions about truth, look at Jesus. Jesus is truth. right? Jesus says, hey, looking for truth? Look no more. I'm it. But how are you going to know Jesus if you don't spend time with him? How would you know? Think about this, my friends. If Jesus says, is the truth, then I need to be spending a lot of time knowing truth. How would you ever know something is a lie if you don't know what the truth is? Here's what I think our struggle is right now. Our struggle is, I think this, and I could be wrong, but I think we're spending way more time with lies than we are spending with the truth. That's why we're getting confused. That's why we're so uh, pulled from all directions because we're spending so much time putting ourselves in the veins of lies that the truth is getting brushed to the side. So when someone does speak the truth, that person is a hater. Because all along we've been siding ourselves with the wrong side. Can you say amen? You know, I, I, I found this interesting. They, they, in the bank industry, I heard that they, when they're teaching people to deal with money, they spend a lot of time teaching them the difference between real currency and fake currency. But I, what I found interesting is that they said they don't, they don't spend time teaching you how to discern fake currency because they're like, if you can spend time with the real one, then it's easy to be able to discern what's a fake one. Oh, yeah. So... I believe if we're serious about Jesus, we're serious about truth, then we need to be spending more time with the truth. So when the lights come, it's easy to discern. It's easy to see, wait a minute, that doesn't align itself with truth. Are you tracking with me? Remember Jesus said to follow him, which means to learn from him. Imagine if I, we're going somewhere right now and you've never been there and I'm like follow me and you're like cool, but you never done in the car and followed. That's what I see a lot of times with this this thing called Christianity. We're like, we're saying cool to something that we don't even know what it is. Do you ever find yourself signing up for something and in order to sign up for that thing, there's always that little terms and conditions? Do you ever done that recently? Like I, I signed up for something recently and there was a terms and conditions. And what do we do? We click that we read it, but we never read it. Can we be honest in the church? But the problem is, when something comes against the terms and conditions and you are wilding out, they're gonna tell you, did you read the terms and conditions? (laughs) We we had a true situation that happened a couple of months ago. The office manager came to me and she said, hey, we got this bill for the plaza for $20,000. And I was like, heck no. (laughs) They said, because we're part of this plaza, we, we have to pay this, this joint thing, right? That everybody has to pay to be in a plaza. And so what did I do? I, I went back, my friends, to the terms and conditions to sign up to get this place. I had to spend about three hours signing my life away. It was like the paperwork is this big, but that paperwork is and it is, it's boring and it's, it's so annoying but in there there are all the terms and conditions to be in here and thankfully I had read the terms and conditions on page 6,453 there was a clause there that says we will not pay that because there's a clause in our agreement and thankfully I read it and submitted that to them and they're like oh my bad Here's what I'm finding. I'm finding people saying, oh, I can go to heaven? Cool, click. But you never read the terms and conditions for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So when things come up and bumps against your own thing and you're like, you're kicking and screaming, Jesus is like, you never read the terms and conditions. My friends, this is what we mean about, we don't follow Jesus blindly. We follow Jesus willingly. When I got saved, I was 20 years old. I had this conviction. I said, man, if this is real, then I'm gonna know everything I can about this Jesus because I'm not gonna turn my eternity blindly to someone I never actually got to know. And my friends, let me tell you something. Jesus, the most, I read the whole thing a few times. The most powerful thing and the most alarming thing I heard Jesus say is in Matthew chapter seven. When you go home, look it up. He said, he said some, one day I'm gonna tell some people I never knew you. And these were not worldly people. These were church people. How do I know? Because he said, people are gonna come and say, hey, we prophesied in your name. We healed in your name. We cast out demons in your name. But he's like, I never knew you. There's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus. There's a difference between using Jesus and being used by Jesus. There's a difference. There's a difference. Read the terms and conditions before you while out and say, I didn't sign up for that. Well, you did. You just didn't read it. Are you tracking with me? So it's not enough to know the truth, it's about living the truth. Jesus says this about living the truth. Go to my next scripture, John 8 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my? Did you catch that? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to the terms and conditions. Not you are truly my disciples if you felt like it. No, it's about the terms and conditions that he's already laid out. Right? Watch this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. The truth will set you free. Yeah. Now, think about it, right? What does a belt do? Uh, think about this. When you have a belt on, you have freedom of movement. When you don't have a belt on, you are constrained all the time. Think about it. Like if you and I are on the street right now, and all of a sudden a big Rottweiler comes chasing after us, and you don't have a belt, you're gonna get bitten. Because I'm running, I'm outrunning you. And our black people, we run, and then ask questions later. Why? Because I have freedom of movement. You may even be faster than me, but if you don't have a belt on. I might outlast you because I have freedom of movement. Why is that important? Because what he's saying is so powerful. He's saying the, the truth will set you free. A lot of people think they're free, but they're not. Like you ever hear people say, I can do whatever I want to do. But it's like, I don't think that's what freedom is. Or when people say, I got this under control. I can quit anytime I want. It's like, then do it right now. Well, I'll, st- I'll start on Monday. <laughs> like we think we're in control, but my friends, freedom is not doing whatever you want. Freedom is the ability to do what you need to do. That's the difference. Because a lot of people are bound by, 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 by so many strongholds and so many things that they don't even realize it, that they're making a lot of excuses. It's like someone in jail behind bars going, I can do whatever I want. Say, like, oh, I don't know. You look bound to me. Jesus is saying, oh, you will have freedom of movement, freedom to be able to exercise your free will in a way that's gonna, gonna bless you, it's gonna honor you, it's gonna bless others, it's gonna equip you to live the life that I created you to live. Why? Because you don't have to keep doing this all the time. what did you learn in church today? Wear a belt. Friend, freedom is doing what you need to do. That's freedom. Jesus says, you got to speak the truth. Paul, writing to another church in a city named Colossus, he said this, watch this. Paul says, so put to death the sinful, earthly, lurking, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Are you judging me? Well, read the terms and conditions. (laughs) Impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Now, catch this. This is the good news. He says, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, these lies. But watch this, keep going. He says, look, but now, now is the time to get rid of anger and rage. We're in a political season, election, election. Jesus said, no, 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 get rid of that crap. No, amen, because we're all angry. (laughs) Rage, malicious behavior, slander, slandering people thinking God's going to co-sign it. No, you better read the terms and conditions. Dirty language. Watch this. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all his wicked deeds Put on your new, put on again, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him, like him. He's the truth. The more you follow Jesus, the more you become like Jesus. My friends, here's the reality. Truth goes against the grain of our society a lot of times. There are things in society that, are cool And God's saying, well, I don't co-sign that. That's not part of my terms and conditions. And if we can be a little bit honest in this church, we would say, truth convicts people of sin. Yes. Yes, and if we could be a little bit more honest, I would say, truth convicts me of sin. Yes. Do you ever find yourself contradicted with your own self? You ever been in that place where the apostle Paul talks about? He says, man, there are things I, I want to do. I don't do the things I don't want to do. I end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who would save me from this body of death? But he goes on to say, but thank God for Jesus. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You ever lived enough until you realize that you are your own contradiction. That's a word. Because truth We'll cut through stuff. And here's the thing about truth. Truth doesn't have an expiration date. Truth doesn't go out of style. Truth is not a trend. If it's truth, it's going to be truth 100 years from now. And it was truth 100 years ago. How do I know? Because the person who called himself the truth said, I am the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So truth never expires. This is not a matter of where we are in life. It's a matter of what is truth. No matter where we are in life, but my friends, here's the, here's the thing, I hope we catch this, it's so important right now, especially in, the, in, the, in this atmosphere that we're in, this tense atmosphere that we're in, we have to remember that Jesus, who called himself the truth, said, I came with grace and truth. You can't divorce the two. Something will always be missing if you speak the truth without grace. And something will always be missing if you have grace without truth. So this is very important, because I'm seeing a lot of people in the name of truth being jerks. And God doesn't co-sign jerkness. (laughs) There's a lot of, no seriously, a lot of so-called spiritual militant people who are doing more damage in the name of truth because they're not doing it co-signed with grace. My friends, it's one thing to have convictions. It's another thing to be a jerk. Because Jesus said, you have to live in the tension of both. You can't pick a side. The moment you pick one, you're missing something. If all you hear is grace, it leads to just a bunch of emotionalism, which is like worship with no conviction. I just wanna feel something. So when you don't feel something, God left you. God's not a feeling. God is the unconditional reality, no matter how you feel. But then you got the other side of truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Say, like, I don't know, but in the book of Galatians, Paul was saying, hey, the way you want to approach someone with something hard, you want to do it in a way that you would want someone to do it for you. Right. So I don't just speak the truth. I try to find the angle to bring truth with grace because I care about the person, not just care about me. That's a good word. This will save us a lot of headaches nowadays when we're so convicted by something. But it's like, how am I bringing that truth across? Because I don't think Jesus is going to co-sign you when there's no grace attached to it. Even though we're doing it in the name of Jesus you track it with me? Truth and grace always goes together. One of my favorite illustrations of truth and grace is in, actually in the same chapter in John when, when, when the religious people brought their adulterous woman and they, because according to their law, this woman should be stoned to death. And they said, Jesus, we've got this woman in the act of adultery. What do you have to say? Because that's the truth. It's one of the only times in, 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 in the history that Jesus bent down and began to write something on, the, Till this day, theologians are still trying to figure out, what was he writing on the ground? It's almost like Jesus was giving them time to think about what, what are you saying here? A couple of observations. One, Number one is, they came to Jesus with just the woman, they never brought the man. That's right. Because <laughs> last time I checked, it takes two to make things go wrong. So they picked and choose, buffet. That's the first thing. Second thing, Jesus said, well then, he who has no sin cast the first stone. In other words, let's see which one of y'all have never done anything wrong. The Bible says they, they begin to drop their rocks and walk away. The only person left was the woman. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. But Jesus said this to her, now go and sin no more. That's truth. I've given you grace. It's truth. So we have to live in that tension, my friends. If we're serious about Jesus, you can't pick a side. Because because depending on your personality, you might be a grace. Grace comes easy to you. Some of us think, oh my gosh, this is worship all day. Some of us are like, can you preach harder? Preach harder. Tell them about hell. (laughs) I've had those people, you never talk about hell. Like, you need some grace in your life. (laughs) Oh man. No, it's both. If I'm serious about Jesus, I can't pick one over the other because they balance each other out. I can tell you the truth, but I don't have to be a jerk about it. So my friends, the last thing sometimes we're called to defend truth. You know, I've been reading through the Bible again and it's amazing to me how relevant the word is. I've been reading through the prophets and Jeremiah, my goodness, how relevant. Jeremiah had a really tough ministry. I would not want to be in Jeremiah's shoes. Jeremiah was called by God to be a prophet at a very young age. But his job was very difficult because this was a rebellious time for the people of God. And they refused to listen. And Jeremiah for over 20, some some people say 30 years, was preaching repentance. And people would not listen. But Jeremiah says something, God says something through Jeremiah that's really powerful. I believe it's so relevant to where we are today. Even though Jeremiah lived over a thousand years ago. This is what fascinates me about the Word of God. It doesn't expire. But watch this. He says this. Look, God speaks through him. He says, my people bend their tongues like bows to shoot out lies. They refuse to stand up for the truth. They only go from bad to worse. They do not know me, says the Lord. Beware of your neighbor. Don't even trust your brother. For brother takes advantage of brother and friend slanders friend. Are we not seeing this? And he keeps going. Watch this. They all fool and defraud each other. No one tells the truth. With practiced tongues, they tell lies. They wear themselves out with all their sinning. They pile lie upon lie. And utterly refuse to acknowledge me, says the Lord. I believe this is so relevant to where we are right now as we speak. And I believe God calls us like he called Jeremiah to stand up for truth, even when everybody else isn't. And that's not easy. That's very challenging. But my friends, we have a divine responsibility to stand up for truth. We must not blend in with the lies of the world. And at times, that we must speak the truth even if our voices shake. Because if I don't stand for truth, I'm standing up for a lie. I don't believe there's neutrality in this thing because Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. But I'm gonna say this again. It's possible to be firm in your convictions without being a jerk. Because Jesus is not gonna co-sign something that is not done in grace. One day, I'm gonna have to stand before Jesus and and this is not gonna fly. I just told him what you told me to say. (laughs) I don't think that's gonna fly. I think he's gonna ask me, did you do what I asked you to do with grace and truth? And there are days that I have to say I didn't, and I have to repent and say, Lord, help me, anoint me, teach me, mold me, shape me to be like you so I don't miss it. Well, my friend, as God's people, like Jeremiah, I believe there are some convictions that are non-negotiable. I believe there are things here that are universal truths that that it's not a matter of preference. It's God's will. It's God's purpose. It's how God wants to govern this earth, no matter how much we kick and scream against these things. And I want to say this again, all of us, the beauty of a free country is that all of us are entitled to our opinions, but not all of us get to create our own truths. When I do marriage class, especially with those who are just started dating and getting serious, I always tell them, you have to make sure that you know what are your non-negotiables. Because you can't go into a marriage if you haven't established those things, because sooner or later you're going to have issues. You have to establish what are the things that matters to us, that it's not a matter of personal preference, it's deeper than that, it's convictions. And there are things that you can have personal preference and it hopefully it shouldn't affect your marriage. Like if your significant other likes Burger King, you like McDonald's. That's, that's if you fight over that, you got all the problems. <laughs> but there has to be some non-negotiables. There has to be some things that grounds you. That doesn't change because society is changing. It doesn't change because everybody else has a different opinion. There are certain things that just grounds you, that gives you roots. And I believe that there are things in word that you can't, you can't go against if you're serious about the will of God, I think. I believe life is non-negotiable because God created life. Only God should have the say who, who lives and who dies. So I have a hard time backing anyone who doesn't stand for life. That's a conviction that I won't budge from. I don't believe we get to determine what's a baby and what's a fetus. I believe God brings conception into existence the moment it happens. I don't believe that's even supposed to be a debate. I believe marriage is God's will. I believe there's only two genders, male and female. Because that's what God said. Now it doesn't mean we all are not wrestling and trying to figure out God's will. And I believe we're all on the journey. So that's why there's no room for condemnation. All of us are on the journey. All of us are pursuing the will of God. All of us can come in to the will of God. All of us. But I believe racism is evil and it's not from God. I believe from the beginning God wanted to say this thing is a a mosaic experience, and it ends with a mosaic experience. It ends with people from every tribe, every nation, every language worshiping Jesus as God. I believe justice is God's heart. I believe unity commends a blessing. It's actually in the the heart of the fabric of this nation, i pluribus uno, from many one. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Like, that is a powerful thing that we need to bring back to our hearts. But I do believe this. I believe this with all my heart, that you may not agree with me, but I don't have to bash you. I don't have to condemn you. I don't have to try to be better than you. I believe that I can be so confident in what I believe that I can give you freedom to believe what you want to believe. I believe only insecure people write rants on Facebook posts. That's my conviction. That's why I'm not on Facebook. So if you want to do a rant about me on Facebook, good luck, you can't find me. (laughs) But my friends, we are living in some serious, unprecedented times. The truth hopefully will prevail. Lastly today, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through Him. I believe He's the only way of salvation. I believe He's the only way to resurrection. I believe He's coming again, and He's going to make this thing right. He's going to bring heaven (laughs) to earth. Without Him, we we don't really live. We exist, but we don't live. We don't have meaning and purpose. I believe you take Jesus out of the equation, you are left with what's going on in our society right now. There's a crisis of existence in our society. We don't know why we're here. We don't know whose we we are. And we don't know where we're going because we're taking God out of the equation. And I'm telling you something, we're paying a high price for it. We're paying a high price. We need to be praying, Wednesday, come, let's pray for our nation. Let's rally together because God has done it over and over again. In Jeremiah, he said this. Listen, in the middle of their rebellion and and their lack of repentance, you know what God says? I still have a plan for you, plans to prosper you, He give you hope, He give you future. Oh, God wants us so bad to live in harmony with us, to live in love with us. But we have a role to play in embracing and saying, Lord, I'm not just going to make up my own stuff. I'm gonna read your terms and condition. And I'm, by the power of your spirit, I'm gonna live the life you created me to live. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning? My friends, unity commends a blessing. God works in unity. If I haven't said this clear enough, I'm gonna say it again. Division is from the devil. He wants us to be divided in our homes, in our churches, in our cities, it's not God's will. But all of us can play a role in bringing unity back. All of us. Would you join me in praying? Would you pray that if something convicted you today, would you let the Holy Spirit come? Would you let the Holy Spirit into your life? Would you let him, ask him, Holy Spirit, clarify that point for me. Maybe there's something that's driving you nuts, or maybe, maybe there's something that I said that you, you, it doesn't resonate with you, then, then pray, ask the Holy Spirit, ask Him. He's a person, He's real. If we all agreed on everything here, we would be robots. We're not robots, we're human beings on a journey. That thing sometimes that I read in a Bible that really messes with me, and I have to wrestle with God and ask for His will him to show me. So father, I pray right now, spirit of God, would you fall fresh on each and every one of us, you created us and you put in us a desire to to search for you. You put in us a desire to find truth, to live truth, to, to speak truth and to defend truth. So Holy spirit, I pray you over us right now in person and online. I pray you bring clarity, bring conviction, bring perspective. Deepen our roots in your word and your truth. So maybe you're here or you're watching, you never really trusted Jesus. You never read the terms and conditions. You, you want to go to heaven, but you, you're, you're not following Jesus. You haven't really submitted your life to him. Pray with me. Say, Jesus, today I'm ready. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father except through you. So I am submitting my life to you. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I repent of my sins. I want to align myself with you. I want to live in the fullness of your will. Fill me with your spirit. You are the spirit of truth. So bring truth to my heart, to my mind, to my being. So Father, come have your way. Our hearts are open. Our minds are receptive. Spirit of God, speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.